0: Welcome to Crime Corner, where we examine all things crime, whether it be on the page, on the screen, on the street, or in the courtroom. I'm Matt Coyle, author of the Rick Cahill Crime Series, and I'll be your host for as long as it takes. Before I interview my uh, illustrious guest tonight, or introduce him, I'm going to do a quick shout-out for my own book, which comes out November 30th. Um, Last Redemption was very fortunate to get a starred review at Publishers Weekly, my first ever. Anyway, that's enough about me. My guest today. Or tonight, Matt Witten has written TV shows, stage plays, movies and novels, multifaceted. His new thriller, The Necklace, just came out and has been optioned already, or actually even before already, for film by Leonardo DiCaprio's Appian Way and Cartel Pictures. Lee Child, some guy I've never heard of, says, This is as fast and tense as, as a great thriller should be, but it's full of warmth and humanity, too. One small town woman's quest for the most poignant kind of justice you can imagine. Buy it today and read it tonight. Matt has written four mystery novels starring amateur sleuth uh, Jacob Burns, the first novel, Breakfast at uh, Madeline's, received the Malice Domestic Award. That was his first series. He's also written for the TV shows. This is a long list. House, Law and Order, Pretty Little Liars, Medium, Homicide, CSI Miami, Judging Amy, Supernatural, and it says here, Others. There's even Others. His published plays include The Deal, Washington Square Moves, and The Ties That Bind, and they've all been produced all over the world. His movie Drones premiered in 2014 at the London Film Festival, the Austin Film Festival, and the AFI Fest, and it is available on Amazon. Matt and his wife have two sons, Zach and Jacob. Welcome, Matt Witten.
1: Thank you, Matt. I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: That's a long intro, man. Could even go, could have gone longer too. <laughs> well, and I'm really happy. I remember Next to take notes. Next time off we'll new, cut some things. I'm happy I remember to take you off mute because you automatically go mute when when, uh, the show starts. And um, I'm about about 50-50 on that of taking somebody off mute. So your new new, uh, novel we just uh, mentioned, The Necklace, tell us a little bit about it.
1: Uh, Sure. Uh, About uh, nine years ago, I read an article in the Glens Falls Post Star, a small newspaper in upstate New York, about a woman who – was holding a fundraiser uh, to raise money to go to South Dakota so that she could see the execution of the man who had been convicted of murdering her young daughter 22 years previously. And she had no money, so she needed to raise money at this bar. So, you know, that stuck with me, that that story. And I, I clipped it out, and I put it on the bulletin board next to my desk. And I had it up there for, you know, eight years. And I kept thinking, you know, what's the the story? You know, I kept trying to figure out how to tell that story. And I went out for coffee about uh, two years ago with a friend of mine named John Henry Davis, uh, writer and director. And I said, oh, you know, I've got this story. I'm thinking, what would happen? And John Henry said, oh, I know what happens. He said, you know, she's going to start to think that maybe the guy who's going to be uh, be executed maybe didn't do it. And I said, I'm not sure. I don't know. That sounds, I don't know. I'll think about it. But, by the next morning, I had decided it was a brilliant idea, so uh, uh-huh. so I wrote the book so that's where it came from
0: great it is is a great premise uh it's always nice to have friends too, put things in perspective for you
1: so <laughs> well, it's amazing a- when you just talk to people it just sort of um just the process of talking things through is just the best way to find things out
0: absolutely. um I always thought when I first started writing that you, you basically you're in a cocoon, you can only tell your story your way, but um I found out very soon that that was not the way to do it. So one of the things I really like about, and by the way, Angus has just entered the room, so we'll see what he does. One of the things I really like about The Necklace is that your protagonist, Susan uh, Lentigo, is a middle-aged woman in upstate New York working in a diner. Not your prototypical hero for a crime novel, but a very interesting character. So I know we you talked about um, where the, uh, I, the kernel for the story came from, but how did you uh, – where did you pull from to inhabit this particular character?
1: Well, I have been uh, spending summers up in uh, Lake Luzerne, uh, New York, uh, for the pa- where the story takes place, for the past uh, 25 years. And before then, I lived in Saratoga, right near there. Hmm. And, you know, I knew a lot, of, a lot of people like this who are just, you know, having a tough time economically, who the, uh, the paper mill in nearby Corinth, uh, closed down, and a lot of people are out of work and, and and struggling and you know fighting to you know feed their families and and survive in this uh, crazy situation and um you know it's you know their their struggles are are admirable and i just i just uh so I got to know a lot of the folks, and that's really where it comes from she's kind of composite of of all these folks I think in terms of Maybe a deeper way of of where I connect with her. Also, you know, I think any any parent, uh, y- y- you know, that has a child. Well, I guess mm-hmm. all parents have a child. But yes. Any parent, uh, kind of, uh, you know, fears that something, God forbid, would happen to their kid, and and, and 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 what would happen? How would you recover from that? How would you find the strength? And so, that's what interested me, I think. And the story is really one of. You know, this woman's strength and, and keeping going and, and, and finding her inner courage that she didn't even know she had uh, and, and becoming stronger. It's kind of a, in some ways, it's kind of a coming of age story for a woman in her 50s, who's, a woman in her 50s who's finding herself. Um, so I think that's where it comes from.
0: Absolutely. However, you know, she, like you say, fi- uh, coming of age in her 50s, but in the beginning of the book she's she, i mean she, it's been 20 years but she still really has not recovered and and i don't think a parent ever would but and I, I, uh, an important element of the story is grief and it's a difficult um thing to live with obviously and a difficult thing to write about so was it difficult for you to um you know inhabit that for such a prolonged period of time in writing a book
1: um you know, I suppose so, but really, uh, I really focused on, on how strong she is in overcoming it. And now, you know, when she she's on the way to the execution, and she starts to think that maybe the, the wrong guy is about to be executed, and she's the only person who can find out what's true or not, because nobody else is going to help her. The FBI doesn't believe it. Her mother doesn't believe it. You, you know, nobody in her circle believes it. You know, she's on her own. She, she's all alone. She does wind up, she does able, is able to uh, get a couple of allies. But she has to fight for those and she uh, she's all alone. And so um, really as she has no money. I mean, this yeah. is somebody that, you know, she and her mother between them only have $100 to their name. And so she is someone that in order to get to the truth has to exhibit such courage and be so strong that really um that's really what I inhabited and, and 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 that I loved and that um you know readers seem to relate to is is just the strength of this person. So really um really that's what I was doing and I just you know I just admire her so much and um so I think that's really I think that's really how I sort of lived during the time that I was writing the book was just you know, just thinking about this woman and how how tough she is.
0: Well, she certainly starts out alone and has no money, and then she's really alone and has no money. But the readers can find out what that's <laughs> all about. Um, so, the structure of the book is interesting and effective when you it switches between flashback uh, chapters and present day chapters, um, which is, is a, an effective and smart way to write the book. But I'm wondering, was that your idea from the start, before you even started writing the book, rather, or did you start writing one way and then decided, well, this is the way to go. This makes sense this way. <laughs>
1: well, that was another friend that helped me out on that, a writer friend. named Maggie Meyer Schwartz. Yes, another friend. I gave her the uh, first draft of it to write, and the first draft, the first, I don't know, 100 pages, all took place, uh, you know, 20 years ago, uh, mm-hmm. back during the week that she was killed and shortly thereafter. And that's how it, that's how it uh, started. And, uh, and then we go from there, the next whatever, 200 pages, whatever it is, is present tense. And uh, she said, so my friend Sagitt, she read it for me and she said, no, you know, I think you should mix them up. I think do a chapter from now, a chapter from then, a chapter from now, a chapter from then. And, uh, you know, that presents certain kind of technical challenges because mm-hmm. some of the uh, information that you give out in the past, you can't go too far or else it screws up the present and vice right. versa. So you have to figure out tricks. Like for instance, in the past, I, I didn't want to reveal who the main suspect's name was. So my strategy there was to have the uh, Susan Lantigo to have her say, I'm not even going to give give him the dignity of calling him by his real name. I'm just going to call him the monster. So right. It means
0: Which is effective. That, uh, <laughs> and and belie- that's believable, <laughs> yeah. actually. But it's not, it's not just a trick. It's believable yeah. for someone in that situation.
1: It, it It is I think, thank you,
0: um it
1: is believable, I think, but really it came from my need to hide his name, so i so I found that, so no, that was really um you know that was definitely something I found after the first draft, and i'm I'm eternally grateful to both uh Sageet and John Henry for, for steering me in the right direction on these things
0: yeah, I think that um it's it is a very just from you talking about writing 200 pages in the past and then, and then going to present day, I really think that this, I mean, you know, unless it was completely brilliant, this definitely was the way to go. Um, and I think you did a good job of choosing, you already mentioned, you know, what to give away and whatnot, but also choosing when to go back and when to go forward because it isn't exactly one chapter back, one chapter forward. Um, <clears throat> so that was nicely done. And I'm sure um, a bit of a challenge to begin with.
1: Uh, thank you. Yeah, and I really had to learn not to be like uh, completely rigorous and okay, it's got to be one chapter from the past, one from the yeah. present, one from the past, one from the present. And then I realized, wait a minute, I don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, I could do two from the past or two from the present in a row if that's what makes sense. Nobody's going to be flustered by that. So uh, right. yeah, you have to get over or I had to get over my own feelings of I don't know what the word is, but structural uh, perfectionism or something, you know, because it's
0: useless i'm not familiar with either term um so your first jacob <laughs> your, your first your first uh your series your earlier series uh the jacob burns novels breakfast at tiffany's we already mentioned um won a malice award but debuted back in 2012 and then this is per research it looks like the next three in the series came out in the next year so were you between then and now were you uh focusing on tv film playwriting? or are you doing that all along while you're writing you know, the other series
1: Well actually the way that worked is that uh, Signet, uh published them in uh 1999-2000-2001 oh. uh, those okay. four books and the, the way you got those uh those uh, numbers was that uh, eventually That's uh mine. you know I got the rights I got the rights back so then I put them on uh, Kindle myself but originally they were uh you know published by Signet. so the way that worked was You know, I guess I would say briefly. I started out as a playwright. Then, in the late '90s, I decided that my uh, favorite form of uh, of uh, of entertainment, my favorite form of recreation, was to put my feet up and get a cup of tea and read a mystery. So I decided I would try writing them. So that was uh, that was how that came about. And uh, so I wrote those four mysteries. And then, in the middle of that, I you know got this uh, uh, phone call to come out to Los Angeles to write for Law and Order. so, I did that and the first couple of years while I was writing for law and order i I wrote the mysteries as well uh you know, get up at six in the morning and write the mysteries that became just a little bit uh t- too much, especially when you have kids uh yeah. and uh so then so yeah, so around two thousand one or so i I quit uh, writing the mysteries and just focused totally on t v and then so now the necklace is my first novel uh, that I've written in twenty years, and i i I joke that I feel like Rip Van Winkle, you know, twenty years between novels um, but uh I don't know it all feels right. I've really enjoyed writing for t v but I really missed writing the novels, and I'm at the point now where my favorite thing to do is to put my feet up and read a psychological thriller uh so uh it seemed appropriate that I'd be writing this, and I'm loving doing it so anyway that's the that's the long version to a short
0: question so i I, I writing while you're writing for TV and writing a uh, novel at the same time, must've been really hard. Um, but I guess it was a tough decision to actually get paid for one of them. So you went to, you stuck with TV um, as a to writing <laughs> mysteries. Um, so, but uh, from the research from my incomplete research, because I didn't get the dates right to your um, earlier novels, but I, I went with what Amazon told me. Um, the necklace yeah. seems having read the necklace, but not the others, the necklace, but reading the uh, synopsis, synopsises of the others. The necklace seems like a much darker work than the earlier um, work. Uh, why, I know we know why you have the story, but was that a, a conscious choice or it was just this story is the one I want to tell, or is it, I want to go a little darker now on.
1: It was definitely, this is the story that I wanted to tell. This is the story that had been in my uh, heart for eight years. Um, mm. This character had been, had been living there for eight years. Uh, and, you know, the truth is that the uh, novel I'm writing now is also darker. So, you know, in the late 90s, for whatever reason, I enjoyed reading cozy type of mysteries. And that's what I like to write. And now, for whatever reason, I really like writing, you know, I, excuse me, I really like reading psychological thrillers. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm writing. So I don't know if, you know, if I I guess I've changed in some way. Uh, but, um, you know, that's what I've been to. You know, I've always like had the ability or the interest in writing You know, many different forms of crime novels. So, you know, I wrote for Law and Order, and I wrote much uh, grittier stuff than that also. Some of my plays, stage plays, are much grittier. And uh, so, I don't know, just different kinds of things. But anyway, uh, the next and the one I'm writing now, feels right for me uh, now, just in terms of who I am and what I'm interested in. Welcome to the dark side. Uh, So we have... By the way, Matt, I have to say, Matt, I have to say, I really entered you for like having this series that you really, you know, have this character that grows and he just, you know, he grows with each novel and, and you, you know, you found this, um, this, uh, world that you love to inhabit and you get to keep inhabiting it. Uh, and your readers do, uh, you know, throughout your, your career or throughout the years. And, uh, you know, I just, that's, that's really a, a, a wonderful thing
0: actually. So. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, the book I'm reading, writing right now, I, I question all of it, but thanks. Um, so speaking of writing and stuff... Even after
1: the, even after the publisher's weekly start with you, do <laughs> you still question
0: it? Oh, did I mention that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the last book. That's, what, that's the one that's coming out in November. The one I'm writing now, who knows? Um, so, oh, okay. writers writing. We have a lot of listeners at all levels of their writing careers who like to hear about the nuts and bolts and stuff. So... I'm interested in your process writing novels, and also the differences between that and all the other writing you've done or may continue to do. So start with novels. What what's your process like?
1: You know, I guess uh, I'm not really sure, but I guess you know I get an idea, and yeah, I talk to friends. That's exactly (laughs) it. I get an idea, and then I I can then speak the idea in a paragraph. I will hmm. tell the idea in a paragraph to, to my wife and to other people. And I'll see if telling it keeps me interested and gets them interested. And then I'll write maybe uh, one and a one-and-a-half-page document, read it to my writer's group, verbalize it to my wife, say it out loud to my wife. Just see if it still is you know seeming good. And then I'll write something. It'll be uh, five to seven pages, single-spaced. And the same thing, I'll read it aloud to my writer's group. I'll show it to my wife uh, maybe a couple other trusted friends. And in the process, you know, it gets refined. I might rewrite that document, you know, two or three times. And then I feel like, okay, I've got an idea. I've got an idea I really care about. I've got characters I really care about. And what I've learned, by the way, is that if I, if I come at writing something from the point of view of character, I'm in good shape. And if I come from the point of some view of some philosophical idea, I'm in not good shape. And those novels don't get written. Um, so that's the beginning and then i start writing and you know i i i tend to know about five or 10 pages ahead of myself where i'm going like i don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen 15 pages now from now but i know it's going to happen 5 to 10 and mm-hmm. then i also know the uh, ending i tend to know like if it's a murder mystery i tend to know who who did it uh, that's happened with every project but one uh i've always known who did it and uh and um, so the ending. So basically, I know the beginning and the ending, and I know vaguely what happens in the middle, but but uh, there is a certain amount of vagueness there. Well, you can um, when you and when that you've... is yeah. I guess Go I ahead. should answer the other part of your question, which is uh, how's it different from TV writing? Because TV writing, especially when you're on a show, um, yeah. you're very rigorous. You know everything that's going to happen. You write out a very rigorous outline of the whole thing, and you don't. You discover some things along the way as you're writing, but you don't like discover new scenes or new, you know, plot threads or anything. You know, so that's more of a that's the main difference. Between, well, there are other differences, but that's a main difference between TV and novel writing, is that uh, it's much more rigorously plotted out and structured from the get go.
0: Well, you saw when I asked the question, when you began to answer it uh, about um, process, you kind of made it sound initially that well. You know, I'm not sure what my process is. And then you gave a very detailed um, idea of what your process <laughs> is. But look, starting with the log, I think it's kind of brilliant, actually. Starting with a kind of, so you've got these ideas, you have to condense them down to a log line, I would think. And then from there you expand yeah. out and then you expand further. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of, it's kind of given me some ideas. Interesting way to go. I know you're in a writer's group. You mentioned it. I know um, some of the writers in your group, Patty Smiley, and uh, I guess they let this hack in. I'm not sure. I guess you guys needed to have the kind of the dummy writer in there, Craig Possis-Buck. But um, I guess every group <laughs> needs, needs to have somebody that kind of doesn't know what's going on. But um, Patty, I can vouch uh, for Craig Craig. Craig. Craig, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure he even writes. <laughs> um, I, know he, I know he attempts to play poker, but that doesn't go very well either. So I'm, I'm get, he's not listening because he's got his uh, writer's roundtable thing going on right now. Um Right. I wish he was listening. Uh, so <laughs> the the I don't the rigorousness of TV has that helped you in novel writing?
1: I think it has.
0: You know, I think my plots
1: even before I started writing for TV, my plots were pretty tight, but you know, I think they're even tighter. You know, I think in TV it's just you don't get the luxury of skimming when you're watching TV. Uh, you know it 's on, and you 're watching it. I guess you do a little bit now in this day and age. you can get on your phone, <laughs> but there 's still it 's just a lot it 's a lot harder to to skim on t v and books I feel like i don 't know I feel like i don 't know how to put this, but maybe writers rely on rely on people skimming. you know I know sometimes i 'll read a book and I might enjoy it, and there but I still might skim fifty pages in the book mm-hmm. um, and i think I think that writing for t v has kept me from doing that. I, you know writing that kind of book that requires, you know, 50 pages of skimming by the reader. I think also um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh I think some mystery books uh people could be a little more rigorous with their plotting. Sometimes it seems to me that, you know, the plot maybe fades away after, you know, 100 150 pages and you're you know, I I kind of get a little uh less interested in reading. Um so anyway, I think TV writing basically makes you more rigorous with plots. That, that, would be my, that would be the way that it helps. And the way that it hurts probably is that uh, when I got back into a novel writing with the necklace, um, I really had to learn um, some things that I'd forgotten uh, about novel writing, which is you have to – like in a TV episode, it, You know, there are very few stage directions, and you really try to ex- express everything the character is feeling and thinking really through their dialogue. I'm exaggerating slightly, mm-hmm. but that's basically what you do. And mm-hmm. But when you're writing a novel, you have to – put people expect, and I guess I I expect too as a reader, people expect the sentences like, you know, her heart was pounding or, you know, his teeth were chattering, you know, whatever it might be. So it's like I had to get used to putting those in, and then uh, my writer's group will tell you for a while I was putting in too many because I was yeah. too conscious of it. So, right. So that would be the way that, that – that would be the one thing that you have to like uh, – you know, get out of the TV writing spirit. So that's, that's I think, how TV writing helps and, and
0: hurts kind of. So i got to ask this question. I've always wondered about this regarding law and order. Who's responsible <laughs> for the ask for when they're questioning, um, sus- not suspects, potential witnesses at work? Because they're very good at that. They're very good, or you guys are, at having something, you know, it's not just a straight standing here, or if you're reading it, question and answer the guys you know guys work. he's a longshoreman or she's a waitress and she's taking a break around by the coffee machine there's always that aspect in law and order is that something that's just kind of um uh in the show's dna or when the people are writing the scripts they gotta go oh let's put you know she's working she's up over by the coffee machine
1: yeah you definitely put in the script that she's working over by the coffee machine because you you know the uh you know that that's part of the show's DNA, so you know you put it in now I personally found those those scenes I don't know how you felt I personally found them a little ridiculous because if some cop is questioning me, I'm stopping everything. I mean, I did have a cop question me once, and I was not mm-hmm. guilty in any way, but man, mm-hmm. I was scared witless, and I was just like oh my God, I was shaking. And even, you know, anybody is gonna feel anxious when a cop is, is questioning them, even if you haven't done anything. So those things, I always, I like them. I, I, you know, I mean, I don't, well, anyway, I have mixed feelings. I kind of uh, admire like what you do, that you're just trying to keep things busy and have yeah. not just position, but something to look at. But on the other hand, I also look at them and I, I find them ridiculous.
0: I'm not going to go as far as say ridiculous because you wrote for them, but I have somewhat the same feelings. I completely admire the the, the, the movement of the scenes. You know, you're, it's not a straight Q and A. There's things going on, but yeah. Um, but I think I think almost all of us kind of miss the um, tension of being when we're writing uh, of an innocent person being questioned and how nervous they would be. <clears throat> Just think about when you're driving in a car and like a cop light goes on behind you and you may not have even done anything wrong. I mean, I was. I always get the little. Yeah. Oh. Of course, I got to stash yeah, the. Um, I got to stash the drugs, so that might have something to do with it. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think every genre of, of crime writing has its own like funny you know conventions. So like uh, you know a lot of cozies you, you know the, the hero will go into a house late at night alone and you know somebody's going to attack them and it's like right. why are they even doing this but that's the convention. And you know, Law and Order had its conventions. My favorite convention of theirs was they would always have the scene, and we would always have the scene where the um, where the criminal, uh, the bad guy, is in with his lawyer, and uh, and then the, the prosecutor is there. The prosecutor is talking to the guy, and the lawyer says, the defense attorney says to his guy, "Shut up! Don't say anything." And but then finally, he breaks out and says something, mm-hmm. and. This actually never happens in real life. In <laughs> real right. life, there is never a situation where the lawyer and his uh, client are in the room with the prosecutor, and they're having that kind of discussion. It absolutely, literally never happens, and it it happened in every episode. So um, that was another thing that, that amused me, uh, no end, writing for Law and Order.
0: That's well, i got to say, personally, from some of the, the books I've written – My guy Rick Cahill even knows that it's stupid not to have a lawyer with him when he's being questioned, and yet he still does it. to the police. He still doesn't have a lawyer in the room. So um, see that does
1: happen. That really does happen. Is people know they that exactly does happen. People know they should have a lawyer, but they don't, and they talk. I mean that is that happens all the time. That's real for sure. It's just once the lawyer is there, they ain't talking. That's
0: right. That's the goofy part. All right, so I, I, bear, I mostly buried the lead uh, at, at the intro is that, that the necklace has been optioned by Leonardo DiCaprio's production company. And it seemed to me that it, that happened pretty early. Um, do you want to talk about how that came about or how it sort of comes about, or do you want to leave it alone? Uh,
1: no, I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, I wrote the first draft of the novel, and then I wrote the first draft of it as a screenplay. And writing it as a screenplay uh, helped uh, teach me some things about how to write it as a novel. So then I wrote the second draft of the novel. And then writing the second draft of the novel taught me some things about how it would work as a screenplay. So I wrote the second draft of the screenplay. So I finished them uh, simultaneously. And, uh, and then my TV and movie agent, uh, Paul Weitzman, gave it to uh, Appian Way and Cartel Pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, Appian Way being uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's company, and meanwhile, my literary agent gave it to uh, to Ocean View, um, so both those sales happened simultaneously. Good. So that's that's how that happened. It was pretty well, exciting couple of weeks there.
0: <laughs> hell yeah, that's the way to do it. However, how long did it take you to to, to write both?
1: Um, you know, I was working on some other things too, but I would say the entire process for both. Uh, like for, It was maybe a year and a half, but in that year and a half, I was also writing other things. So I, right. people, people ask. I'm not really sure. Um, I should really try to clock it next time, but um, yeah. my guess is it took me a year to write both, something like
0: that. That's pretty efficient, I would say.
1: Yeah, because yeah, cause once you've got the book, I mean, it really helps you so much, writing the, uh,
0: writing the TV thing.
1: I learned that from a couple of people that you know. I learned that from V. Goldberg and also Bill Fitzhugh, who both have, uh, have used that as a strategy. Um, and it really works well I recommend it if if you 're into like for your books if you 're into um, if you 're into it uh, i 'd suggest like try writing your first book as a as a as a TV pilot if you if you feel like doing it because you know your your series would be a great t v series so um, so Thanks. my theory is sometimes you know just 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 you know, try it yourself you know, you know what i mean try it yourself see what happens um, anyway that 's what I do
0: I used to have I, I might have it somewhere. I'm looking at my um writing um bookshelf Sid Field's um screenplay. That's how far back I, I thought I originally I think I tried to write a screenplay about a thousand years ago, it didn't go very far, and then I changed the books. But anyway. Um yeah. I'll give uh, I'll give Leo a call. Tell him I'll tell him you told me to call him. Um <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> we're tight. We're tight, it's Leo for me. Um so cool. You and I are doing an event, it's really you, and I'm going to be um, questioning you, talking to you, at Warwick's next Wednesday at 7.30, Warwick's in La Jolla. The longest-owned, or the bookstore that's been longest-owned by a single family in the United States, and kind of an um, wow. iconic bookstore, and they're going to allow people in. you got to wear a mask while we're talking. But um, there's room for folks, and it'll be fun to get out and, and be in front of people. I know you've been doing that because you're in upstate New York. And um, how's that been?
1: Uh, it was great. I mean, I'm really looking forward to doing uh, uh, being at Warwick's with you. And um, and we can do this conversation again with even, even more deeply. We can go even more deeply. Um, I did a bunch of events up in uh, Lake Luzerne, and that was uh, the book is set in Lake Luzerne. Uh, New York, and that was really um, it. Was really a lot of fun. I was a little, you know, anxious how the people in the town would, would view the book, uh, but I mean, there were a lot of people at the library, and I got so many, you know, positive comments from people, you know, all over town about the book. Mm-hmm. And like, I just came to L.A. yesterday, and the day before, I was like selling my final books to people because I was going around. Anyway, I sold the books to like the local grocery store. To the local nice. drugstore, to the, to the uh, historical society, to the folk school, and even the vegetable lady, <laughs> was selling nice. my books, and the, and then the, um, the woman who owns the uh, Bottle Redemption Center uh, was sending them, selling them, uh-huh. and um, so it was like it just became a thing, and I was, it was, um, it was great, you know, I, you know, I'm sure when you write about La Jolla, it's a special thing for the people of La Jolla. And that town, you know, like it You know, nobody's ever written a novel set there. And like Mm -hmm. you say, you know, most novels do not feature uh, a woman in her 50s who's poor. You know, most thriller novels that I see, and I enjoy them, I'm not, you know, as criticizing. But Mm -hmm. the thriller novels that I usually read tend to be uh, uh, women in their 20s and 30s who are you know, have some sort of glamour attached. Either they live in a big city or, you know, they're working in the publishing industry or the fashion industry, or they're, you know, they're trying to get started in these industries and, um, it's just a very, you know, New York lifestyle and everything that's exciting and it's, it's great. Um, but you know, people, people, uh, I I would like to see, anyway, I I enjoyed writing a book about people that, that aren't heard from in, in the thriller world and, um, You know, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just interesting to think about the lives of, of everybody, you know, in this political world that we're in now, which is so, uh, partisan and divided, you know, it was, it was, it was good for, I, I really enjoyed reading about folks that ordinarily I might, uh, be frustrated, let's say by their political opinions and just to write about their lives, you know, and just take, you know, be very serious about what they're experiencing. Um, so Anyway, so it was. So anyway, there aren't a lot of books about those those folks, and to, to have it set in Lake Luzerne, and to to do the I like did like nine readings at all the local libraries and bookstores huh. and all kinds of places, and it was um, it was it was uh, anyway, it
0: felt really good. Well, I think that um, a genuine affection for the area came through in in your writing, and I'm sure they appreciate that. I mean, it, it wasn't um, it felt felt very um, honest. And, um, I'm sure they felt, you know, you were a kindred spirit in that way. All right. So you mentioned yeah, something you. like, the, yeah, sure. go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: i was going to say like the woman that owned the, uh, the bottle redemption uh, store, you know, she told me that the way I described, uh, Susan's father and, and, you know, getting, you know, uh, laid off from the mill and what he had to do afterwards was just her father's story. So uh, things like that felt nice.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned, that you're working on something dark, which is always good. What's next? Can you talk a little bit about that, or do you want it? Uh, yeah,
1: I can talk a little about it. It's uh, it's a novel called Clickbait, and it's about a uh, woman who just a young woman who just got laid off from her fourth uh, newspaper job in a row. You know, it's no fault of her own, but uh, <laughs> that's just the way it goes in the newspaper business. Absolutely. And so she uh, decides, in order to keep her career uh, happening and going. She decides to do a podcast on a true crime, uh, Hmm. a cold case crime that she has some knowledge of. So she does the podcast and the novel is about her investigation and also about the fact that, you know, sometimes, you know, when you're in that kind of business, it's almost a little more important to like get, get clicks than to actually stick very closely to the truth. And it can kind of challenge a person's, um, uh, morality
0: and way of being.
1: So it's so it's both of those things. It's it's the investigation, also what she's going
0: through uh, in her in her life. That sounds really interesting. That's a definite different take. Did you you must have talked to a friend that gave you the spin you needed. <laughs> well,
1: uh, you know, I guess I have. Uh, several friends who are in their 20s who are getting into the journalism business. And I just really admire you know doing that. I mean, it takes a lot of courage when it's falling apart. I had a guy interviewed me this summer who writes for the Glens Falls Post Star where I originally read the article. And he's been there, a guy named Will Doolittle, great writer. He's been there for 25 years. And he said when he came there uh, 25 years ago, there were 50 writers, 50 reporters. And now it's down to eight. I mean, yeah. down to eight. It's just insane, you know, what's happening. This, by the way, that newspaper actually won a Pulitzer. I mean, they wow. are, like, for their size, they, they punch way above their weight. Um, uh, anyway, so it's just, I mean, it's like you and me, Matt. Like, getting into the writing field takes a lot of courage. Uh, I mean, the uh, novel writing field takes a lot of courage. And same, same thing with getting into journalism. So it was really about, you know, just the, 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 the idealism. Uh, of the people that I know and mm-hmm. so I created a character who's similarly idealistic but has that idealism tested
0: so that that's really what I wrote about is there a, a potential pub date on that ballpark uh,
1: not yet it's not yet it's about to uh, it's about to go out to the publisher now so
0: cool uh, we shall see
1: but um, I hope it'll be in one year so I can do what I did this year which is tour Lake Luzerne and that area and then tour uh, and tour L.A. and,
0: and uh, have fun there.
1: Although that book's set in Boston, so maybe I'll do a Boston thing too.
0: Hopefully without a mask. So where can people find you on the World Wide Web?
1: Oh, thanks. Uh, com.
0: All right. Well, uh, <clears throat> enjoy the book. Really enjoyed talking with you. Hey, we're going to do this again in like five, six days. <laughs> <I forgot. laughs> yeah, that's fun. We'll do it in person. So- so anybody great. in San Diego, drop by Warwick's uh, 7.30 next Wednesday night, and we'll have a spirited discussion. And uh, it's just a great bookstore to visit anyway. So thanks a lot, Matt, for coming on, and I will see you next week. And I want to thank everybody for okay, listening. Thanks. You bet. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Yep. You bet. I want to thank everybody for listening. Again, I know it's a little sporadic the way I've been doing the show lately. I'm under uh, the gun to get a book done and I'm behind as usual. But I will be the next few guests. I'll have uh, Helene. Um, I'm going to have Helene and I'm going to have... Um, I'm blanking on what I'm going to have. So, follow me on Facebook. You'll find out. And until then, have a good weekend or a few of them.